Good afternoon, people of God. This is Apostle Shirley Evans coming to you much later today. And it's a reason for that. It's December. It's oh man, I'm really, I'm really just carried away. It's October the third, twenty twenty. Today is Saturday. The time is three p.m. You can see that my mind is way out there in the future. It is 3 p.m. October the 3rd, 2020, and the day is Saturday. And one of the reasons why I am late in doing this, because God wanted me to honor and give respect to my spiritual daughter, Christiana McLean Gibson, who is laid to rest today. So, he allowed me to watch her home going. I wasn't physically there, but certainly I was right there in the spirit. I always would say to her from the time I knew her, get out of flesh and stay in the spirit. And I ministered to her up to the day before she died, leading her to Jesus and still telling her to stay in the spirit. Amen. So I will, I'm one of those who, who I'm in the back. When I say I'm in the back, a lot of people wouldn't know that I was her spiritual daughter because she didn't tell many people. It doesn't matter. I was assigned to her to minister to her to keep her on that straight and narrow way. I remember when I told her, listen, I don't care what you say. You're an evangelist. God has called you as an evangelist. I'm calling you forth as that evangelist. And she loved the Lord. I thank God for her life. I thank God for the many people's lives who God has connected me to minister them to the way of the cross leads home. That's the way of the cross. She continued and went home to glory. But all last night, I could hear in my spirit, God speaking to me and saying to tell the people, is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Are you willing to lay down your life for Jesus. Jesus said to Peter, he answered Peter, will you really, really lay down your life for me? He told Peter, he said, Peter, I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. In times like these, in these perilous times, there are times when we are on that narrow road for Jesus. But when things get rough and tough, there are times when the people of God draw back, do not draw back. And so here's a song he kept singing in my spirit, and he gave me the message. You have longed for sweet peace. 
and for faith to increase and have earnestly fervently prayed but you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid your life doth the spirit control you can only be blessed and find peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul would you walk with the lord in the light of his word and have peace and contentment always you must do his sweet will and be free from all ill on the altar your all you must lay is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid your life doth the spirit control you can only be blessed and find peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul oh we never can know what the lord will bestow of the blessings for which we have prayed till our body and soul he doth fully control and our all on the altar is laid is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid your life doth the spirit control you can only be blessed and find peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul is your all on the altar is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid your life doth the spirit control you can only be blessed and find peace and sweet rest as you yield him your 
body and soul. And that's what God is asking of us. And he said to me, tell the people, will they lay down their life for Jesus? Are you willing to lay it down? Laying down your life with Jesus means you're going to carry the cross. Because the songwriter said, the way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. And he took me to John chapter 13. I'm going to read the whole John chapter 13. John chapter 13, Jesus was teaching his disciples. Because Jesus, John, begins his gospel with eternity and he ends it with Jesus coming to earth again. He features Jesus teaching his disciples privately just before his arrest and death. We see clearly the deep love Jesus has for the believer and the peace that comes from faith. Knowing the love Jesus has for believers, we too should believe and allow Jesus to forgive our sins. Only then will we experience peace in a world filled with turmoil. Surely the world is filled with turmoil. But I'll read from John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. He was showing his disciples. The evening meal was being served. And the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray, to portray, betray Jesus. Let me read that again. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. 
and you were clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one of you was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I am not referring to all of you. I know those who have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts any I send, I send accepts me. I will repeat that. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me, accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. 
a new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And that's the word of God to the people of God. And he's asking a question, will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Will you? Will you really, really lay down your life? When I call you, will you answer? Will you take up the cross and follow me? Will you really lay down your life for me? Jesus knew he would be betrayed by one of his disciples, disowned by another, and deserted by all of them for a time. Still, he now showed them the full extent of his love. God knows us completely. As Jesus knew his disciples, he knew them. He knows the sins we have committed and the ones we will yet commit. Still, he loves us. How do you respond to that kind of love? How? Chapter 13, verse 1 to 17 tells us what Jesus said to the disciples on the night before his death. These words were all spoken in one evening when, with only the disciples and his audience, he gave that instructions to prepare them for his death and resurrection, events that would change their lives. My spiritual daughter, the night before, two nights before she passed away, I said to her, looking unto Jesus, who's the order and finish for your faith, Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. The words I said to her, listen, Paul said, when I live, I live unto the Lord, or whether I die, I am the Lord's. And on her way to the hospital, I said to her, I love you. Yes, we're praying for God to heal you, but I love you. And I want you to know, I want you to keep your eyes focused on Jesus because Jesus told me to tell you it is well. What I'm saying to her, really, this is the end. He's taking you, but it is well. And we could only know that it is well when we have totally laid down our life for Jesus and done the will of God. And yes, it is well. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so, Jesus was a model servant, and he showed his servant attitude 
to his disciples. Washing the guests' feet was a job for a household servant to carry out when guests arrived. But Jesus wrapped a towel around his waist as the lowest slave would do and washed and dried his disciples' feet. If even he, God in the flesh, is willing to serve, we, his followers, must also be servants, willing to serve in any way that glorifies God. Are you willing to follow Christ's example of serving? Whom can you serve today? Think about, think about it. There is a special blessing for those who not only agree that humble service in Christ's way, but who also follow through and do it. There's a special blessing for those who not only agree that humble service in Christ's way, but who also follow through and do it. When I was about to send this message, I got an urgent call. And I knew in my spirit, I needed to serve that urgent call. We are called to serve. 13 verse 67. Imagine Peter being, imagine Peter. Imagine being Peter. Imagine, I'm going to imagine me being Peter. You imagine you being Peter. Imagine Peter being and watching Jesus wash the other's feet. I remember the first time I had to do the washing of the feet in church. I kneeled down. I washed the feet. And I prayed at the feet. Prayed and prophesied and worshipped at the feet. Imagine Peter being, imagine you being Peter, me being Peter, and watching Jesus wash the other's feet, all the while moving closer to you. Seeing his master having, like a slave, seeing his master behaving like a slave must have confused Peter. He still not, did not understand Jesus' teaching that to be a leader, a person must be a servant. This is not a comfortable passage for leaders who find it hard to serve those beneath them. Listen, I remember one time I had to go on an assignment. When I reached the place, somebody called me and told me about this woman. They didn't tell me what was wrong with the woman and would I go and minister to the woman. I prayed and I said, yes, I'm on my way. And they directed me to go, where to go. When I reached that house, as I began to pray for the woman, I was on my knee to her legs, praying for her. God didn't tell me that I was going to pray for an AIDS person. No. So he had me there, praying for her. Taking my hands and putting it over her legs and over her arms and just anointing her and praying for her with love and compassion. At the end of it, that's when he told me, okay, she's riddled with AIDS. 
but I want you to lead her to, you to lead her to me. And I want you to continue to minister to her until I release you. You've got to be in the spirit of God. You've got to be under the power of the Holy Ghost. Because some of us, if we know where God's sending us, we're not going. Help us, Jesus, to get to that place of servitude, of being that servant. This is not a comfortable passage for leaders who find it hard to serve those beneath them. How do you treat those who work under you, whether children, employees, or volunteers? Jesus did not wash his disciples' feet just to get them to be nice to each other. His far greater goal was to extend his mission on earth after he was gone. These men were to move into the world serving God, serving each other, and serving all people to whom they took the message of salvation. Judas was not the obvious betrayer. So you could have a betrayer in in, in, in mess. This was one of the disciples. You can't look at him saying he's a betrayer unless you're really in the spirit and discerning when God revealed. Judas was not the obvious betrayer. After all, he was the one the disciples trusted to keep the money. You understand? So if you could trust someone with the money, as far as you're concerned, he will, he's trustworthy. You better listen to God and be able to hear the voice of God. The honored guest at a meal was often singled like this. Verse 27. Satan's part in the betrayal of Jesus does not remove any of the responsibility from Judas. Disillusioned because Jesus was taking was talking about dying. He was disillusioned because Jesus was talking about dying rather than setting up his kingdom. Judas may have been trying to force Jesus' hand and make him use his power to prove he was the Messiah. Or perhaps Judas, not understanding Jesus' mission, no longer believed Jesus was God's chosen one. Whatever Judas thought, Satan assumed that Jesus' death would end his mission and taunt, taunt God's plan. Like Judas, Satan did not know that Jesus' death was the most important part of God's plan all along. John 13, verse 27 and following. John describes these few moments in clear detail. We can see that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew. He knew about Judas and about Peter. But he did not change the situation, nor did he stop loving them. In the same way, Jesus knows exactly what you will do to hurt him. Yet he still loves you. Yet he still loves you unconditionally. 
and will forgive you whenever you ask for it. Judas couldn't understand this and his life ended tragically. Peter understood and despite his shortcomings, his life ended triumphantly because he never let go of his faith in the one who loved him. We must never let go of our faith, no matter what happened, in the love and the love God has for us. To love others was not a new commandment, because it was spoken of in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. But to love others as much as Christ loved others was revolutionary. Now we are to love others based on Jesus' sacrificial love for us. Such love will not only bring unbelievers to Christ, it will also keep believers strong and united in a world hostile to God. When we go out, when God sends us out, when we lay down our life for Him and He sends us out, go out with love. Go out with the love of Christ. Jesus was a living example of God's love. As we are to be living example of Jesus' love. Jesus says that our Christ-like love will show we are his disciples. My spiritual daughter had that insatiable love. Well, if she was hurting, you wouldn't know because there was always a smile on her face. And when she really got upset with someone, she'd pick up the phone and call me. Didn't matter what hour of the night. And I would say, now, now, listen, what would Jesus do? And I would say, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. Let him repay, not you. And I would say to her, we must forgive. She would say, but they did me the wrong. I said, Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I said, so take it on as you did it. Jesus took it as if he did it. And she say, yes, ma'am. Because she had, she had different names for me. She say, yes, Sister Shirley. She say, yes, prophetess. And she'd say, finally, she'd say, yes, apostle. And God has to iron all, out all of us, all the wrinkles. He has to iron out of us. There's so much wrinkles in us, it's called unforgiveness. Ah, but we don't forgive. He cannot forgive. And his Father in heaven won't forgive. So she learned the way of total forgiveness. God prepared her, emptied her, and took her home. Jesus says that our Christ-like love will show we are disciples if we love one another as Christ loved us. Do people see petty, bickering, jealousy, and division in your church? Or do they know you are Jesus' followers by your love for one another? I'm going to say that again. Do people see petty bickering? Petty bickering. 
I used to say to her, don't get involved in their petty bickering. bickering. Just show love. And pray that they will rise up to that dimension of being at peace with one another. Do people see petty bickering, jealousy, and division in your church? Or do they know you are Jesus' followers by your love for one another? Do they? Verse 35. Love is more than simply warm feelings. Hugging and, oh, feel warm. No, no, no. Love is more than simply warm feelings. It is an attitude that reveals itself in action. How can we love others as Jesus loves us? By helping when it's not convenient. By giving when it hurts. By devoting energy to others' welfare rather than our own. By absorbing hurts from others. I'm not saying this is easy. But after God has put you through the process, right? You overcome. And yes, you could absorb it. By absorbing hurts from others without complaining or fighting back. This kind of loving is hard to do. That is why people notice when you do it and know you are empowered by a supernatural source. The Bible has another beautiful description of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Take time out to read it and digest it. My son who is away in Austria Whenever I speak, he always remind me, Mommy, for my left of Bahamas, you gave me a plaque. And it was 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I think whenever he gets uh, disillusioned or whatever, he would read it. Let's take some time to read it and see what it really says. Peter proudly told Jesus that he was ready to die for him. But Jesus corrected him. He knew Peter. He knew Peter would deny that he knew Jesus. That very night to protect himself. Peter knew Jesus. He knew Peter would deny that he knew Jesus. That very night. Because he wanted to protect himself. What if, well, I'm just saying, what if all of a sudden somebody come to you and say, well, you can't buy anything from the shop unless you get this mark. Uh-huh. What would you do? What if they say you have to deny Jesus? If you want this bread, what would you do? Would you now be able to stand on this faith that you talk about? Would you be able to hold on to your hope 
would the word of God come up and say, well, my God shall supply all my needs, but I, needs, and I'm not going to deny him. I love him. He loves me. And whatever state I find myself, I'm going to learn to be content, but I am not going to deny Jesus. Peter proudly told Jesus that he was ready to die for him. Jesus quickly corrected him. He knew Peter would deny that he knew Jesus that very night to protect himself. In our enthusiasm, it is easy to make promises. But God knows the extent of our commitment. God knows. Paul tells us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. I remember one time a lady says, "Ah, uh, when you're going on the next missionary journey, I'm going with you. I said, you're not ready. You're not ready because if you have not been stripped where you had to walk the streets all over Nassau to minister to the hurting, minister some areas that preachers don't want to go, walking because you don't have a car, walking because you don't even have money to catch a jitting, you're not ready to go. You're not ready. Jesus knows, God knows the extent of our commitment. Paul tells us not to think of ourselves highly than we ought. Instead of bragging, demonstrate your commitment step by step as you grow in your knowledge of God's word. I want to go to Romans chapter 12 and 3. Romans chapter 12 and 3 declares this. I'm going to tell you what Paul says. Romans 12 and 3 it says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Instead of bragging, Demonstrate your commitment step by step as you grow in your knowledge of God's word and in your faith. And so, God is still saying to tell the people, his people, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? And your faith? Have you earnestly, fervently prayed? Have you longed for sweet peace? And for your faith to increase? Well, when faith is increasing, we are going to go through some turbulence. Because faith has to be tested. And have you earnestly prayed? But you cannot have rest. Or be perfectly blessed. Until all on the altar is laid. 
and he's asking you a question are you willing to lay down your life for him is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid is your life that the spirit control you can only be blessed and find peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and your soul not a part of you your body and your soul would you walk with the lord in the light of his word and have peace and contentment always you must do his sweet will and be free from all ill on the altar your all you must lay oh we never can know what the lord will bestow of the blessings for which we have prayed till our body and soul he doth fully control and our all on the altar is laid jesus had to lay down his life for us and god is saying he expect us who he call who is chosen to lay down our life for him too to be that servant that he could send out into the world to carry his word to bring lost souls into the kingdom once he stood in the light in the night he came to this world of darkness <laughs> with his head bowed low he was on that cross and the darkness as black as could be then he fell alone and he cried oh lord don't hide your face from me my father so we will go through some things many nights my spiritual daughter went through some things in the middle of the night late one night she said oh oh this this uncircumcised philistine in this room and still causing me pain and i would answer so did jesus suffered remember i say to you arm yourself likewise did you will suffer too I don't want you all to believe the teaching that say, oh, when Jesus went to the cross, he suffered and we don't have to go through nothing. Well, you ain't ready to serve him. That, let me put it that way. But he will be with you in it. And he overcame and you will overcome as well. Because he will speak peace to you. Even in the midst of the storm. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you have to have the right word, even though it hurts, to speak to a person who is in that condition. And when I hear the Holy Spirit said, hey, listen, Jesus suffered, so arm yourself likewise. This is a part of it. This is a part of it. He will hold your hand every day every hour every way from here to the great unknown so he the god i serve the father the son and the holy spirit they held her hands all the way 
until they were ready and say, come on, my child. Come unto me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Hear me and be blessed. And so, all of us have an appointed time. There's a time and a season for everything under the sun. Everything under the sun. A few days ago, I was ministering to Amos as one of her sons. And I didn't know how to. I think it was Amos. Sometimes I get them all mixed up. I think it was Amos or Avery, whichever one I needed them to laugh. The Holy Spirit wanted to get laughter out of them. I believe it was Amos. He's the little one. And the Holy Spirit began to say, I want you to speak to him from Ecclesiastes and let him know there's a time for everything. And so, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There was a time that Jesus had to come down and to this earth realm in his humanity, even though he was divine. So in his humanity, he had to come through in this earth realm. He had done his work. And it was time for him to go home to his father. He gave up his life. Are you willing to give up your life, to lay down your life for him? But there, yes, there's a time. That was a time for him to go. So they did, this was a time for my spiritual daughter to leave this earth. And it is well. It's a time to be born. And a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. So then, God is saying to say to, 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 to the people of God, Are you ready? Are you willing to lay down your life for him? Take up your cross and follow him. Are you ready for the vineyard? But he's calling them. I think the last message that I would have sent to you was about, but in the days of Noah, what they were doing, eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. And I told you how I had to dream about the flood. Well, there's going to be the real flood real flood okay but there is going to be the real flood the flood is going to be the water flood 
and the flood is going to be where God is going to prepare the people two by two for a work in this season. Just like Noah brought them in the ark two by two. God is going to send them out two by two to go out now because once the flood subsided and in the dream, yes, the ocean came over, the land was flooded and all that, but, but the, the, afterward, the flood had subsided. What do you do after the flood is subsided? Because new people are going to come. Your mission, my mission God is sending us out two by two to go out there and win the souls for Jesus Christ. Jesus came to redeem them back to the Father and he's sending us out anointed. He's sending us out with the supernatural anointing. He's going to put that peace and that joy and that grace on us. We're going to be willing and ready and able, well able to go out and win the lost because this is the time this is the time no don't worry about the darkness because he steps out of darkness to bring light so the light is going to go into the darkness to win the souls and we are going to be the carriers of the light to win the souls and those who feel weary that they, they think they can't make it, he's going to strengthen us to do it. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Is it your life that the spirit control? You're going to have to walk in the spirit. You're going to hear when he speaks and say, turn left, turn west, or go overseas. You're going to know that you know that it's the voice of God. Because the work is plenteous. The laborers are few. But he's calling the laborers out, two by two, to go and reap the harvest. You have longed for sweet peace. And for faith to increase, and you're going out with love, and have earnestly, fervently prayed, and He's going to provide everything that you need. But you cannot have rest, or be perfectly blessed until all on. The altar is laid. Would you walk with the Lord in the light of his word and have peace and contentment always? You must do his sweet will and be free from all ill. On the altar, your all you must lay. Oh, we never can know 
what the Lord will bestow of the blessings for which we have prayed till our body and soul he doth fully control and are all on the altar is laid is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid your life doth the spirit control you can only be blessed and find peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul it's time to yield your body and soul to be used by god it's time to answer here am i send me he will equip you he will send you he will go before you he will be with you and he will strengthen you he's ringing the bell he's letting us know it is time it is harvest time i love you may the grace of god the peace of god the mercy of god continue to guard your hearts and mind this day i love you and i pray when he calls you and you hear his name and he gives you that assignment till you will answer here my lord send me have a blessed day